0: difference between a ghost and a poltergeist that is what i will be covering on this week's episode of paranormally speaking i'm your host neil parks even though one can come across many similarities between a ghost and a poltergeist there are many differences that set them apart a ghost like activity is known as a haunting while a poltergeist like activity is termed as a disturbance First of all, we can see how they differ in their origin. Ghosts are considered to be spirits of the deceased human, or deceased human beings, who still refuse to leave the realm of the living. They seem to appear in different forms, like complete bodies, transparent entities, and foggy mists. Poltergeists, however, are considered to be forms of energy, which a living person controls unknowingly. While the poltergeist shows its presence by moving or influencing physical objects, a ghost simply makes an appearance. A ghost can be seen, but poltergeists cannot be seen. Some theories also say that a ghost is a living living soul and a poltergeist is a manifestation of negative energy left by some gruesome death or traumatic experience. It also has been said that ghosts are passive souls of the dead and poltergeists are aggressive souls of the departed. While ghosts are linked with specific places where certain gruesome activities like murders have taken place, to be more specific, ghosts may haunt a house where they might have been murdered or may visit the house they had lived in for a long time. Ghosts are also known to haunt the place where the deceased used to live or visit before his or her death. But poltergeists are not confined to any particular area. They are usually associated with specific objects and persons. But there are some theories that say that poltergeists can be linked to multiple objects and multiple people. You kind of get get the vibe of what I'm talking about with attachment to objects. and Poltergeists have been known, theoretically, have been known to stick with antiques, items from yard sales, items that have been purchased that someone's selling, whether it be at a flea market, garage sale, eBay, Craigslist, name it. There's always a possibility that something from that, if if it was owned by a deceased person, chances are a piece of them could still remain with that item. I've had a few items that have had paranormal attributes to them that show up after I put them on display and I've had items turned over to me or shown to me that people have picked up along the way that are obviously cursed by some spirit of some sort. The energy of a poltergeist is continuous over time and the poltergeist energy is built up over time. The energy reaches a climax and then slows down Then again climaxes and a poltergeist. Though the appearance of a ghost can cause mental terror, they are not violent in any sense. Meanwhile, a poltergeist can be dangerous, inflicting both physical and mental terror. When ghosts can be sent away from their abodes, it is difficult to send away a poltergeist, on the contrary. Religious ceremonies are conducted for sending away the ghosts to the other realm, the other side. For sending away a poltergeist, the correct agent has to be identified. The emotional and physical attitudes come a long way in handling a poltergeist. Unparalleled Insider Access. Get it all. Introducing the SiriusXM Platinum VIP plan. Our newest, most most exclusive exclusive plan. plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer details supply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. All on with the show. I'm back after the brief commercial break with more on ghosts and poltergeists. Now let's get into demons. What's the difference between the three? It's a vast and paranormal world out there and the only it only gets more exciting when you're open to embracing the unknown. Horror fans are the best at this. Yes, we are. And for those who love all things supernatural maybe, it's time you learn the difference between beings like ghosts, poltergeists, and demons. Aside from being frightening, they are also fascinating. And whether you're haunted by one or feel empowered by their energy, this should allow you to make some sense of each respective entity and the capability. What are the characteristics of a ghost? Well, while the typical ghost costume would consist of a plain white sheet fitted with some eye holes and uh, chilling tassels, it's important to keep in mind that this is only a traditional horror film and TV show portrayal. Ghosts are said to be the spirit of a human or an animal who has since passed away, which means that while they are often illustrated as white floating entities, most ghosts look like our past living forms. When a living being dies with unfinished business, their spirit tends to linger between worlds, their hauntings usually triggered by a sudden violent or traumatic death. Ghosts will make themselves known to the living to give news, say goodbye to their loved ones, or in some case, help to catch their killer. Aside from a sighting, they are also said to be able to speak, change the temperature, of a room and even bring odor with their presence. Nevertheless, while this troubled soul is scary, they're not normally dangerous or malevolent, unless the spirit was an evil person in their early life. What are some other reasons you may face interactions with a ghost? Some are distributed by their own violent and the violent end and stuck between realms some are extremely unwilling to accept death. Some genuinely do not know that they are dead. Some are quite obsessed with their living property, such as a house, a car, or other heirlooms, antiques. Ghosts can haunt objects, not just places. If you are a suspect that you are being haunted by a ghost, be on the lookout for the following signs. Sudden, inexplicable cold chills. Foul, unexplained odors, the feeling as if you're being watched, hearing strange noises or voices, items being moved throughout your home without explanation. If you're a fellow kooky lover of all things paranormal like myself, you can buy some horror collectibles online to inspire a haunting crypt. We are fastly approaching Halloween. I know it's a bit early. It is... Early August, but I normally get started around this time with decorating, getting things set up, getting in the Halloween spirit. Because summer is getting closer and closer to being in a rear view. Now, what are the characteristics of a poltergeist? Fans of horror may be familiar with the term poltergeist, especially if they have seen the film of the same name. However, did you know that the word itself translates to noisy ghost? Keep in mind that the majority of ghosts are harmless. Some were evil in their past life, which is why this subcategory of ghosts exists. Needless to say, these entities have some other distinguished traits. They are typically not visible. They are extremely angry and violent. They possess the ability to interact with your physical environment. They feed directly off of your emotional state. They can travel and are known to follow energy or a person rather than occupying a particular space. Now, what are the characteristics of a demon? You need to uh, lead a religious life to know about the existence of demons. You don't need to, but fans of the genre of horror can buy horror collectibles online in their image, and they're typically totally chilling when put on display. So for those of you who have recently started your collection, it's time for you to learn about why everyone is fascinated and also fears demons and being possessed by one. The persuasive and tempting demonic possession can happen to anyone who suffers from the following. Vulnerability, emotionally troubled, desperate for help, unable to think clearly. They can become prey of the predator of demonic entities While a person must invite the demon Before demonic possession can occur Anyone suffering from the above that I just mentioned Can easily be convinced due to emotional or physical weakness Making them unable to deny the powerful temptations That are being offered by a demon Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week On the free iHeartRadio app Now number one for podcasting The Poltergeist Curse, inside the mysterious cast, deaths, and oddities on set. Let's take a look at The Poltergeist Curse and reveal all of the suspect deaths surrounding the film series. When you mix a daughter who communicates with spirits living inside a TV set, a backyard that becomes a swimming pool of muddy skeletons, a wolf-beast demon that lives in a closet... And Steven Spielberg's genius, you get the perfect formula for a blockbuster. Total scariness. Released in 1982, the original Poltergeist, directed by Tobe Hooper and produced by Spielberg, was an instant success and is considered to be a masterpiece of American horror cinema. The film focuses on the Freelings, a middle-class family led by a youthful, dashing Craig T. Nelson, whose life is... Upturned when a number of paranormal and vicious events occur in their California home, and their daughter, Carol Ann, is abducted through her bedroom closet by a group of ghosts who are under the control of a monster demon called the Beast. After learning that their house sits atop a Native American burial ground, the Freelings spend their time attempting to retrieve Carol Ann, and all the while stay sane as they get smacked around, terrorized, and ultimately goobered up on in a bathtub. With Poltergeist's success came a creepy mystique that the classic film is shrouded in, real-life tragedies that some interpret as a curse. Four cast members died during and soon after the filming of the series. The majority of the fuel for The alleged curse stems from the deaths of multiple cast members. In total, four cast members died during and soon after the filming of the series. Two of these tragic deaths were highly unexpected and puzzling, leading many fans to speculate that the trilogy's trilogy's eerie implications. Carol Ann Freeling, the young focal point of the series, was played by Heather O'Rourke only six years old when the first Poldergeist film was released. O'Rourke captivated audiences with her stark blonde hair and her doll-like appearance and big inquisitive eyes. Sadly, however, she was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1987. The following year, O'Rourke fell ill again and her symptoms were casually attributed to a flu. A day later, she collapsed and suffered a cardiac arrest. After being airlifted to a children's hospital in San Diego, O'Rourke died during an operation to correct a bowel obstruction and was later believed that she had been suffering from a congenital intestinal abnormality. Dominique Dune. Dominique Doon, who played the original older sister, Dana Freeling, met an equally tragic and unforeseen fate. In 1982, Dune separated from her partner, John Sweeney. In November of that year, he showed up at Dune's house pleading for her to take him back. When she refused, Sweeney grabbed Dune's neck, choked her until she was unconscious, and left her to die in her Hollywood Homes driveway. Sweeney was sentenced to six and a half years in prison, but released after three years and seven months. Julianne Beck and Will Sampson. The other two cast member deaths, while unfortunate, were not as unpredictable or mysterious. The evil preacher Kane from Poltergeist 2 was played by Julianne Beck. In 1983, Beck had been diagnosed with stomach cancer, which took his life soon after he finished work on the second installment of the series. The same film was met with further tragedy after Will Sampson, who played Taylor, the Native American shaman, died after undergoing a heart-lung transplant, which had a very slim survival rate. Now, other strange things that happened on the set... Cast deaths were not the only agents of the curse's proliferation or as other peculiar and creepy legends surround the film franchise. Joe Beth Williams, who played mom Diana Freeling in the first two films, claimed that director Spielberg insisted on using actual human skeletons as props in an attempt to save money at the time they were cheaper than plastic skeletons. William's claim has never been verified, but it persists to this day in the lore surrounding the film's curse. Finally, in an effort to further creep out everyone's involvement, Samson, the real-life medicine man who passed away due to circumstances mentioned earlier, performed an authentic exorcism after shooting Wrapped Up one night, one can only imagine how this made the other cast members feel. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed, that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. I remember a few years ago, a walkthrough that I conducted during the daytime at a local property in my hometown of Chillicothe, Ohio, Ohio's first capital. It was before the second annual Chillicothe Ghost Walk. This was in 2008, and it was in the historic downtown district of Chillicothe, Ohio, where the Erie Canal used to go through, which is now known as Water Street, and the upstairs now apartment area of this property, which beneath it was, at that time, Lloyd's Sweet Shop. And the upstairs, during the days of the canal, was a brothel. Uh, and at another time. It was uh, like group housing. But at this time. I'm doing a daytime walkthrough. And I brought my son with me. Who had, was fastly approaching the age of two. He was able to walk around. And had a bag of candy. That I had acquired from Lloyd's Sweet Shop. Before making our way up there. Yes I take my children. On research and walkthroughs and investigations sometimes. And accompanying us on this walkthrough was one of the founding members of the Women's League of Voters of Ross County, Ohio. They were the ones that were promoting and bankrolling this downtown ghost walk. And they chose me as the primary expert on all things paranormal in preparation for the ghost walk. So they had me walk with uh, one of their members upstairs to what at one time was a brothel. And as I'm walking around, the this, this stairwell that leads up to the top floor is extremely narrow. Uh, I'm assuming because at that time there were no trans fats in food or hormones, growth hormones in our food. So people were considerably smaller back then on average. And now we have an obesity problem in the United States, so it's going to be a bit more difficult for some people to make their way up this stairwell. But fortunately, during the ghost walk, when it happened a few weeks later, people of all shapes and sizes were able to scale those stairs, make it in, and experience the paranormal that was in this property firsthand. Now, as I reach the top of the stairs, I'm holding my son, And he's clenching his brown bag of candy. Now, some of this candy, you got your basic chocolate coins wrapped in the foil. You have some of your import chocolates and various other gadgetry like novelty items. You know, because I like to splurge on my kids. So this was way before Bella was born, too. She came along two years later. So as I'm walking around with him, I put him down to walk next to me, holding his tiny hand. And in his other hand, he's holding that same bag. And I'm just conversing back and forth with this member of the Women's League of Voters. And before she even tells me anything about the property, I immediately get a sense of female energy, not just from her, but overall strong female energy in this property, in the upstairs. And I could smell... Old world cooking Taking place Or having had taken place At one point in time In this area Now, you know, that's all old 19th century, 20th century um, Late 19th century Wallboard, of course And food and other various aromas Like pipe smoke or cigar smoke Will bake into the wallboard And Due to changes in Atmospheric climate change or whatever, those aromas will expel from the wallboard, almost as if the board, the wall itself is breathing. So you get a whiff of that and you're immediately taken back to another time. So I could smell like old lard and old fried food and various other types of aromas, pipe smoke, um, old world perfumes. It just sort of lingered in the upstairs of this property. And as I'm turning a corner and walking past one of the rooms, because there's a room to the left, room to the right, and three rooms ahead. Now, this upstairs area goes on and on and on. It's all interconnected to the neighboring properties and the properties in the back. This is one city block here that is a part of the historical downtown district. And I go from one room to another, and I keep feeling like something's running from me. Like I've discovered it and it knows that I feel it, that I notice it and it moves from room to room. Luke immediately starts reacting. That's my son. As I'm holding him over my shoulder, because I pick him up before we walk further back because it's it's a bit darker there and I wasn't sure of the flooring, if it was strong enough to support us. So I have him over my shoulder and he starts giggling and reaching out to something behind me. And I turn, I don't turn my full body, I just turn my head and look out of the corner of my eye. And he has his hand over both of his eyes, the only hand that's not clenching the bag of chocolates. And then he giggles and moves his hands away from his eyes and then back over the eyes. He was playing peekaboo with something behind me that I could not physically see. But I could metaphysically feel the energy of what he saw with his own eyes. And this went on for about five minutes. And we go further back. I take a left. A few more rooms here and there. And this thing continues to follow us. So at this point, when we reach the main foyer area of the upstairs, beyond all the rooms, beyond the kitchen, beyond the one bathroom that was up there for all of these rooms, I sit him down on a folding table that's up there. And he turns and faces the other way while I'm having a conversation with the representative from the Women's League of Voters about the plans for the Ghost Walk, where I'm going to be sitting, where they're going to set up my table, because I would, of course, at this point in time, be selling the first book I ever had published. At at that point in time, I had only had one book out. This was in 2008. I was a new author, relatively unknown regionally or statewide or even beyond that, I was just on the lips and minds of a few people. No big deal. And this was way before my podcast or YouTube channel or appearances and documentaries and working with independent film companies and paranormal films and so forth before my IMDB page. It was a humble beginning. And when I set Luke on this table... He starts blabbing away and conversing with something that's in the corner that I can feel is there, but I don't see it. It's not revealing itself to me. He still sees it. And he opens up his bag, reaches his hand in, and holds out one of the foil-wrapped chocolates and keeps saying, here, here, here. And he puts his hand down, and for like... Five seconds, that freaking foil-wrapped chocolate sort of hovers there as he puts his hand down. And then it just drops on the table. And he takes out a little toy car that was in the bag that I also acquired from the novelty section of this chocolate shop for him. And he rolls it on the table and it stops. Rolls it a little way and it stops right at the edge. And both the representative for the Women's League of Voters and myself are watching this happen. And the car stops, turns around like someone placed their thumb and index finger on it and twisted it around and pushed it right back towards him. He giggled with delight. It was a great time for him. But it was a little unsettling because I couldn't see the damn thing. But he was fully interacting with some metaphysical apparition. And, you know, I've told him this story to this day. In fact, I wrote about the encounter in my second book, which is titled Haunted Chillicothe, all about the history and mystery of this paranormal hot spot that I live in. My first book was titled Paranormal Chronicles, Tales of Humor, Horror, and the Absolutely Strange. And that was a first attempt to essentially dip my toe in the water of the literary world to see where it would take me. Because I just wanted to share stories that my grandmother had relayed to me of her experiences and encounters and people around her, what they saw and heard and witnessed. And my great aunt and my uncles who served in uh, the Vietnam War and what they saw overseas and witnessed paranormal encounters, weird beasts of the jungle, uh, UFO sightings, ghosts, name it. That's what I wrote about in the first book, my own personal experiences. And that's why this story I just shared with you made it to my second book because it truly was a powerful experience involving a child and the paranormal. Please hold for an important word from our sponsor. Execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha Oh. I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or s- something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to Geico? Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. That is all for today. Thank you for sticking with me as I combed through layers of information on ghosts, poltergeists, and even injected a little bit about demons into it. Hope you have a great rest of the week, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author screenwriter, filmmaker, artist, and illustrator. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I enjoy making these for you to listen to. Have a terrific rest of the week, and please tune in next time for another episode of Paranormally Speaking.